Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash AppleBits and enter AppleBits in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to the big show. It's the AppleBits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And for those of you that are new to the show, welcome. This is really our weekly wrap-up of all the big stories around Apple, the world of tech. And this week, the iPad Pro dropped, the MacBook Air dropped, the Mac Mini, yeah, it's on the side. But we've got a special guest, Renee Ritchie, in the house to talk all about it with you. But before we get to that, this show is all about you all. Call in. I know I tell you to call in all the time. I'm telling you to call in, use the voice memo app. Give me your name, where you're from, your comments, your questions, your thoughts, your corrections, because I have them. And then send them to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow with a Z at gmail.com. Also, this show is brought to you by you. You can support us at patreon.com slash Tong. $2 a month, maybe the content I give you is worth $5 a month. We have 10 25 the $100 level platinum Apple. It's a way that you can support it, but also you get big perks and bonuses at each level, kind of some cool giveaways. Also, early access to all of our shows before they go out to the main public and a completely ad-free version of the show. So you don't hear any ads. You don't even hear me talking like this. So thanks for supporting patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, Renee Ritchie and I got to talk shop. It's always fun when a new product drops and we get to review it and kind of bounce our ideas back and forth. So I'm just going to get right to it. Here's Renee and myself getting drooly all over that iPad Pro. Maybe? Ah, You'll see. What's up, everybody? Renee Ritchie in the house. You know, we've had him on the show before and I've always been a big fan of your work and just you as a human. I thought it was really great the last time uh, you jumped on the podcast. In a way, I got to know you better just through that. So Renee, thanks for coming on the show, bro. No, thanks for having me. And absolutely likewise, man. It was a blast. And you know, Renee, for people that don't know or aren't familiar with your work, I, you know, it's time for you to shine and just say, hey, this is where <laughs> you can find me. So, so let them, let the people know. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Renee Ritchie, Instagram at Renee Ritchie, and also YouTube uh, slash Renee Ritchie. All that that makes it easy for people, right? Some, yeah. some of us have like different names and aliases, so just go find Renee Ritchie, R E N E R I T C H I E. Did I do that right? Yeah, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Good, I can spell. So Renee's <laughs> here, and obviously, iPad Pro. MacBook Air came out this week. Yes, Mac Mini did, but they just did a, a boost in storage. So we're not going to jump into that. But you know, everyone's yeah. fresh on the mind in the Apple world is about the iPad Pro, and we will talk about the MacBook Air later. But let's just jump into it. And Renee, I would just want your first impressions, and we'll just go from there. Sure. So, uh, I mean, so what was the first question you had when you saw it? When I saw it, I yeah. s- <laughs> well, I said. The only thing that's staring me in the eye is the dual lens camera with the, you know, a uh, LiDAR sensor and <laughs> it feels exactly the same. It looks exactly the same. I'm going to guess before I benchmark it, which I'll talk about, uh, it's probably going to perform the same. And as an owner of a 2018 iPad Pro who loves it, 
there there's nothing here at least for me out of the gates just looking at it on the surface without using it yet that was compelling enough for me to say I've got to get this new model at least if I've owned, if you're someone that's owned a 2018 iPad yeah. Pro. Yeah. I had the exact same thought. My first thought was why? Like I be like, <laughs> and not in a bad way. It's just because like a lot of people, you know, especially in the tech world, it's like should you upgrade to the latest version? And if it's an iPhone, it's like every year. And I would just say no. No, humans don't upgrade every year. They upgrade like maybe every two to three years, maybe every three to five years now, you know, that the market's mature and that the economy is slowed, all those things. So like like that's the, they want to know if they should upgrade from their iPhone 6 or something. And iPads have always been even more like that for longer. You know, people have kept their iPad 2s and their original OG iPad Airs for years and years. So I always think that there's value in Apple just spec boosting everything, like every Mac, every iOS device at the very least should be spec boosted whenever it's possible Mm -hmm. so that if you've been waiting like six years and you go and buy your next or maybe three years is more reasonable (laughs) and you go and buy your next iPhone or Mac or something, you get the latest one. You don't get one that's already two or three years old. And the next one comes out a year after you buy it and you're all salty. So I just, I always think they should be up to date, but this was so curious because they didn't put an a 13 X processor in it. Um, and they didn't really, they changed the cameras. They got the wide angle, but they didn't put the telephoto. They put the LIDAR on. So to me, this, this was not as much about customers as usual. This was more like, we're going to, we're going to start seeding the AR future really hard. And this is the best product we can do that with. Cause we're not messing with the iPhones yet. Th- that's exactly how I felt as well. Right. Uh, you know, I did my video review and I'm going to be editing it um, over the next couple of days. But what I said is this is app this is the fu- this is a future proof piece of hardware from Apple without a guaranteed future from a standpoint of yeah. this is one of those rare um, let me think about it. Well, I won't say rare, but it's not often that you see when I want to buy a product, I want to know that the hardware and software is ready to go. This is really saying, Oh, we're gonna put these sensors on here, but we don't really have software that you can readily enjoy developers haven't been able to get on board with it even with our current behaviors general consumers aren't using ar every day i'm not using it daily i'm not using it weekly i'm probably i realize the only time i actually use ar is when i take those silly pics when apple released a new product and you go to your website and you basically fake the fact that the ipad pro is (laughs) on your table and it looks pretty good, but that's the only time I used AR. So maybe three, four times a year. And so it's really curious to tell someone, especially even like what you're talking about, even with older iPads to say, hey, buy this iPad. The biggest thing here is these new sensors in AR without the guarantee that we're actually going to be using this in three or four years. Like no one can really say for sure that AR is going to be what everyone uses. I know a lot of companies want to. I think that technology is exciting and amazing and fun, but from just a behavioral change and telling me that my mom, my brother, my sister, my nieces, my cousins are all of a sudden going to jump on board this AR train, I don't see it yet. I'm not trying to be a skeptic about it, but I just don't see it right now. So it's it's kind of, hey, let's just throw this out there. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think from Apple's point of view, they... They want to get, they don't want people to ask that question when the new iPhone comes in September, October, November, whenever it's going to be released this year, because then it's a bigger problem. Mm. But if they can get this iPad out now, and even if it's just like the people who are first adopters, the developers, the people working on AR stuff, if they can get into their hands and it's not like, oh, we're waiting for apps. It's like there are a hundred really 
really cool apps. And oh, by the way, at Apple for the last three years, we've been building this new AR camera app and you had Memoji, but now you have Umoji and Wemoji because that's the thing that gets people. Like mm -hmm. nobody, nobody really knows what to do with, with uh, AR, but they love their Memojis. And it's a way to take people who might otherwise be nervous with the technology and give them a really easy way to just suddenly put themselves in an AR world. And if you can do that with the new camera app, which I've heard about for years, they haven't shipped it, but I've heard for years that it's pretty awesome. And a new maps app, maybe that, you know, you hold your phone up and it like that, what Google does, and it shows you directions. Then I think you start to boil, you start to boil the frog in the AR world for when we inevitably get to things like glasses, where you don't have to hold these giant sheets of, of glass in front of you anymore. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's always baby steps. It's, it's just going to be interesting for me to see this behavioral change because you have things like you know 3d touch was one of those things to me that was i loved it but it wasn't kind of thrown in front of our face it, it operated differently on different devices some products like the ipad didn't have it and so maybe in a way they've learned from that experience like okay i thought i love 3d touch i th i thought it should yeah still like live on in all apple devices but they said oh the screen technology is too thick then all of a sudden google on the pixel uses ai and says oh yeah when you put, hold a little longer here we can actually do 3d touch without a 3d touch screen so maybe apple can bring that back in some way shape or form but it it showed a lot of how okay doing something this bold and kind of changing how people behave and act with their phones it's going to take time right this is not a hey here's the ar sensor you're going to start using ar in a year to your point it's here's the first iteration get comfortable with it it's almost like this ipad is uh, a developer reference yes. uh, hardware more than anything else which is fine right it's still a functioning ipad that can do everything that consumers want but at least having that ar sensor there gives gives you lets them use it like a piece of reference hardware and then three years four years down the line as we get more comfortable with it, and then with the glasses who knows exactly when the glasses come out i mean there's stories about 2022 but that seems yeah. too early for me to, for people to really embrace this yet um this is really that just just at least putting down those first breadcrumbs to get us there yeah and it's one of those few things that apple is willing to do in public they're usually super secretive but Tim Cook has been talking about AR openly mm -hmm. for a couple of years and automation, which is the Apple Titan project. And I think the two are actually really closely related because the technologies overlap. They both require a really fundamental understanding of the world around them. The ability to scan, ingest, and understand everything that's around you, whether it's just so that they can put objects in it or they can navigate it. And I think he doesn't consider it to be a product or either of them to be products but he considers them to be core technologies. Like everything we have now has a display, your phone, your tablet, your Mac. And so display isn't a big secret project. And everything in the future, I think, will have this combination of computer learning, scene understanding, LIDAR or, or similar scanning and, and the sort of object physics. And they don't consider it a product, so they're happy to talk about it, but also they're happy to like put it in an iPad and take some guff in the beginning <laughs> because eventually it'll be in something really cool. And they'll have a huge lead because they got to develop all this stuff behind it. And, you know, on top of that, Apple's a one of those rare companies, if not the only company that they have the ecosystem, they have the loyal yeah. fan base that they can push out hardware and technologies like this, basically see the data, how people are using it. And then not only can they adapt it, but they can basically make move market shifts where because they've incorporated hardware, we've seen this time and time again, right? The everyone, including me when he first saw the renders of the triple lens camera on the iPhone 11 was like, 
that looks yeah. but ugly. But yes. then the functionality of it and how seamless they did it, when I got that thing, I said, this is one of my favorite iPhones in a long time. And yeah. then you started seeing the market shift, other manufacturers. They didn't they didn't put a triple lens with a square, they put like a rectangle yeah. <laughs> of lenses on their camera. So Apple has always been and still has always been in that unique position to push out hardware like this and kind of change market dynamics and and almost in certain some ways dictate how how the industry moves because they have this user base that is willing to give things a try whether or not it might feel like it's in left field or whether people like it at first maybe they eventually warm up but apple just has that ability to do that that really in my opinion let me think about it maybe other than tesla no other company can really push yeah. And it's interesting, too, because Apple, like Apple's greatest innovation is packaging technologies to make them really popular with yes. the mainstream. And that's, it's cliched now, like 10 years of smartphones before the iPhone, 10 years of tablet <laughs> PC before the iPad, five years of watches before the Apple Watch. But in this instant, nobody was really making products that they could observe. Usually they observe what other people are doing, see the complaints, and then try to make things that are just easier and more friendly to use. But Google tried Tango and they didn't go ahead with it. And there's been mixed reality headsets and there, there are things like virtual reality, but they're expensive. They're not consumer products. And I think Apple just didn't think anybody else was going to do it along a timeline that they needed them to be done. So they sort of had to pull up their britches and do it themselves. <laughs> They're like, and right, I loved guys. your idea. Like if they'd called this iPad developer edition, I bet they would have even sold more. People <laughs> would have thought they were exclusive. That's funny. That, right. Make it like a, make it like a, a separate color, like an exclusive yeah. color that, that you would only get with the developer edition. Um, you know, as we keep on talking about this, you you wear glasses. So as yeah. you, you know, we talked about those natural steps to getting to a product that is augmented reality glasses, does this does this stuff excite you because you're getting there and because you wear glasses, or you don't care? I'm not. I'm saying you don't care, but is it important to you as someone who wears glasses that we're kind of taking these steps to lead to that point? Yeah, I think there's. I, I think on a couple levels too. Like one is uh, Google Glass was funny. Like I, I think I, I actually saw you that first CES when people were wearing them, and it was just like everybody was there. And, and people would yell out random things and they would search them. And I remember uh, a mutual friend of ours was actually just DMing me over and over again because her Google Glass was in her bag and it was just picking up her conversation. Like there was just so many things about it that were not baked, not cooked mm -hmm, yet. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea of something like LiDAR, it's not a camera. It's not actually seeing anything. It's understanding what's in the room, but without actually it doesn't it doesn't see what you look like it knows there's a person there it doesn't know it's brian it doesn't know what you're wearing it has such a pri pri like better privacy policies just inherently baked into it and the glasses i have on my face now they correct my vision they let me see like, like they take the blurry world and they make it sharp but they don't add any layers of context or interpretation mm -hmm. and if i have to wear these uh, you know, and I could just look at my camera and it would say like memory card full or battery depleted, or I could look at Brian and say, you know, he had a cold the other day. Make sure you, you remember to ask him how he's feeling. <laughs> Exposed to coronavirus, stay away. Yeah, stay away. Or just like, no, turn left, dummy, turn left, <laughs> turn left. All these things, it's like we're getting better at understanding multiple levels of information, but we don't have a practical delivery device yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it's true. I mean, I do love... Part of me loves the idea of the sci-fi future of seeing heads-up displays, and part of me is, do I want that? But I, I would, I would, I would embrace it if it was done the right way. You know, I would embrace it if it was, if it wasn't super intrusive and wasn't too in my face. I don't know. It's one of those things where 
if anyone can do it and make me say, yeah, damn, I want that. I still think Apple can be that company. Yeah, they they sort of get how to package things for humans, which is not always a given in Silicon Valley. So we're going to keep on talking about the iPad Pro here. Um, Let's, you know, let's talk about the benchmarks because I, when we started off, you said, okay, what comes at you? So what I did is that using Geekbench 5, it's an app that you can run on your hardware, you can run on your PC, you can run on pretty much any device. And it does these tests that basically test out the CPU with single core scores, multi-core scores, and then the GPU um, with metal. So what I did is I ran the test five times on each device, both the CPU test and the GPU test. And so I'm going to try and not throw out too many numbers so people can follow along. Yeah. But for the 2018 iPad Pro, the single core average score that I came up with was 1,116. If you compare that to the 2020 iPad single core score, the average score I came out with was 1,126. So it was literally only a difference of 10 points for the single core score. Uh, that, that what, maybe a 0.001% difference. It was really small, okay? If you talk about multi-core score with the 2018 iPad, I came up with a 4,650 CPU score, but if you compare that to the 2020 iPad for multi-core, 4,694. So a 44 point difference just from CPU, which what we thought and what we believed is that, look, clearly this wasn't a 13. There wasn't a big generation jump. The actual CPU performance is pretty much arbitrary. It's the same. You're not, you're not yeah. gonna feel it as a human. And so that was one thing just to let people know, okay, well, everyone wants to know how fast is this? How fast is this? If we talk about the actual GPU um, running running their GPU tests and their metal score, the 2018 iPad Pro had a score of 9,233. Now there's a big jump because they added one additional GPU core in the A12Z, which might be the only fundamental difference between these two processors. The 2020 iPad went from the went had a score of 9737 so basically a 500 point difference so at least you're getting some gains in gpu most likely will help more than anything aid the ar functionality but from a processor standpoint the if you have a 2018 ipad pro to me there's no reason to upgrade to this device yeah so i i agree with that completely the the processor to me is interesting just as a silicon geek sort of a thing. It's like, what is Apple's strategy? And with the iPads for a long time, they've gone sort of slow and wide. Which, And by that, I only mean they try not to overclock. What they try to do is build out capacity. And they've done that even more here with that extra GPU. And will that matter to most people? No. I think it's. I, I had a really, really hard time pegging last the last version of the iPad, just trying to find things that would make it run at thermal maximums it was really difficult. So this, you know, it has it has a little bit more headroom when it comes to GPU. And maybe that'll help Adobe with Photoshop uh, <laughs> or a, a couple of the AR developers and games. I do like that they'd made some tweaks to the performance controller. I think that's been one of Apple, like the secret sauce to a lot of Apple Silicon is not just the cores they put in, but how smart they are mm. in deciding what to send to CPU, what to send to GPU, what to send to their custom accelerators, because they have like video and audio and all these special dedicated processors, and what to send to the neural network. And now they're even doing neural networking on the CPU and GPU if it's better than the kind of distribution they have on the neural engine. And that kind of stuff 
it's not that's like fine-tuning a race car it's not gonna change the, the 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 raw speed but it could help you win a race if somebody else is just being wasteful with that stuff so i think that's super interesting but like you said it's it's more of a um if i hadn't bought one in a while but or you know i'm just mm-hmm. i really want to get into this ar thing it's a nice to have it's, it, it's such a curious move from the company who previously though was pushing forward with silicon so hard All right, this episode is brought to you by our friends at FreshBooks. Do you remember when you started your small business? I do. I talk about this on the show. I still feel like I'm starting it up because it wasn't a small feat. It took a lot of late nights, early mornings, more than the occasional all-nighter. But bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little easier? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and keeps you way more organized than a dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. See where clients review your invoices with the FreshBooks Notification Center. And you can also easily create custom invoices that have your logo and reflect your brand colors to make them look all nice and fancy-schmancy. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part... FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you will always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it free for 30 days. No catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash AppleBits and enter AppleBits with a Z in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. Yeah, you know, so I looked up some stuff and it reminded me and Maybe this might ring a bell. So there was an article that uh, VentureBeat put out that refreshed my memory. And I don't know if you remember, but and I know I'm not calling you out on the year specifically, but it, it was back in 2012. There was a year where Apple basically released two flagship iPads in that same year. Yeah. And yep. so this was the first Retina iPad on March 16th. It had an A5X processor. And then later on, they it was like the iPad 3. And literally, roughly seven months later, they released the iPad 4 with an A6X. And everyone was like, wait, what? What the the heck? And I even remember back then it was, we called it the iPad New after the iPad 2. (laughs) And then I called the iPad 4 the iPad New New because it was the second new iPad in the same year. And so we've seen the rumors of an iPad Pro potentially coming with a mini LED screen and 5G, those would be really kind of the next jump along with a a new processor, which would feel like, okay, this is a next generation performing iPad Pro. But then at the same time, right, you have the economy, you have what's going on around us. And I don't, I don't, it would it absolutely surprise me for them to do it a little bit, but I don't know if, would they, do you think that this is all speculation that they would actually do a kind of a, a redo of 2012 and release two iPads in the year, especially with everything going on? Yeah, so the the iPad 4 fixed a few problems for them. Uh, one was that the iPad 3 GPU turned out to be not good, like mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. not good. And developers had a harder time coding for it than they did the iPad 2, which was just, and for years that thing haunted them just because it, it, it reached thermal maximum so quickly. Uh, so I think they had to swap that out, but also it gave them an excuse to get uh, Lightning um, into that iPad, which, and they were changing the rest of the entire line. So it sort of let them neatly fold that in. You got a, you got the Retina iPad they should have put out, uh, <laughs> but didn't at the time. Now I think the only reason we may see it is that 
Qualcomm, they're working really aggressively with Qualcomm to get 5G into the iPhone for the fall. And that's the priority. But if that also happens to fit into the iPad, I could easily see, you know, Phil Schiller or somebody going, oh, and by the way, there's an updated version of the iPad that also has 5G. And maybe it has an, a, an A13X or A14X. They don't even bother mentioning it on stage. <laughs> it's just, if you really want, if you're one of the five people who are nested on top of a millimeter wave tower in a major US city and can benefit from it, here's your 5G. Someone's like, hey, I already got 5G. E. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, God, no. AT&T. <laughs> no, no, it, it's not going down that way. Uh, with it, I could totally see them release it like that. We'll we'll see what happens because you, would you... I know, again, we're speculating, but I, I do think the idea of just them dropping, okay, here's a 5G version, but would they fundamentally go with like new processor, new screen, and 5G this year? I, I don't know if people... Because there will be people that will buy this new iPad who have owned an iPad for maybe three, four, or five years and are ready to make the jump. And if they do that again and release something in like six, seven months, I wouldn't be happy if I was them. I mean, no one's ever happy when that happens to them. No, I think that, you know, that, that's sort of what happened with the MacBook Pro. It's like for years, yeah. people were like, just put in the latest processor. Whenever it comes out, just put it in. I can't believe you waited an extra year when you could have put it in. And then they started doing, like, they were updating the processor and GPU every time um, AMD and Intel updated. They updated, and people were like, wait, I just bought one. Why are you being jerks? Like, we can't make people happy. Yeah, we just. True. But I think with this, if they can get mini LED screens, they'll make a big deal out of it. Yeah. I just don't think they'll be ready this year. I think that will have to be the... Not if they want to wait and do 5G and mini LED, that would be cool. Yeah. But if they just want to have, like, for people who want it, they just want to have a 5G iPad available to order. I think they could make that a an iterative, like, line item update. You know, new has 5G and just yada yada it until next year. Yeah. So you know, with the iPad Pro, the biggest thing to me, right? The gorilla, the elephant in the room, the magic keyboard with trackpad, because this yes. is. To right to me, I don't know how you felt about it. The most exciting revelation of this whole iPad Pro thing was the magic keyboard. And at first, I'm like, "Don't tell me I got to buy a new iPad." And then you find out it's going to be compatible with the late 2018 iPad Pros, 11 inch yeah. and 12.9 inch. The most exciting part of this equation to me, right, is the magic keyboard. What are your thoughts on that bad boy? Uh, I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool on a fundamental level, though, because for years Apple's had sort of like this internal argument about who, what is an iPad like the existential nature of the iPad, not even though is it a computer, is it not a computer sort of BS that everyone gets into, <laughs> but like what is the iPad? And for Steve Jobs, it was clearly meant to be a post-PC. It was meant to be something that everyone who found even the Mac to be alienating or inaccessible or unapproachable could just sit with and touch and it would open up computing to kids and older people and people with disabilities and all of these things. It would be his single mission, the computer for everybody. But then nerds loved it so much they wanted it too, and they were frustrated by the things that it didn't do. Sort of like how people who wrote Command Line were super angry with the original Mac because it didn't have a terminal and it didn't have arrow keys, and that was just not a real computer to them. Which seems funny now, but they said the same thing when punch cards were out. I mean, that's always <laughs> been the name. How dare you take fire from the gods and give it to humans? Give me, give me back my fire. But I think enough time has passed uh, that these things can be more than one thing to more than one person. And I think the Magic Keyboard and iPadOS from last year, and I have a sneaky suspicion that the Magic Keyboard probably should have shipped last year because everything was set up for it and they just ran out of time. 
But those, those two things say, yes, here is the tablet. Anybody can use it. It still works like an iPad. But if you are that kind of traditional computer user, and when you dock it, you want to dock it into a first-class keyboard experience, the same way we gave you terminal and arrow keys, eventually on your Mac, we are now giving you trackpad and, and proper keyboard support on your iPad. Go and be loud on Twitter. It's fine. <laughs> you know, and I, I love this because it's probably the one of the most polarizing products when I look at my comment section on my videos. And it was probably also because I was so excited about it that it, it yeah. allowed people to be like, hey, come down to earth. But you really have these... I, I've kind of seen these two schools of thought whenever when people refer to the iPad. So you have people that have the iPad, that own the iPad, that absolutely love it. But then you have this other group of people who may or may not own an iPad, but all they say is it can't do what a laptop does. Like their yeah. brain has been wrapped around this idea that there is no way that the iPad can do what a laptop does. And my argument to them is that, guess what? Right now, I know that, but Apple's just trying to make this their own thing. You, They've been very deliberate with how they have evolved the iPad OS to not make it like a desktop OS. They, they've done split screen and different things to give it its own feel. And then even when you look at iOS 13.4, and uh, I don't know if you had a, um, had a chance to like pair it with a trackpad or not, or just goof around with it. But the, when I, I wanted to see, okay, give me a peek of the future of what this magic keyboard is like. And the UI and interface with just even the magic trackpad too, it's awesome. It's super yeah. polished. It is not, you don't have function keys on it. The way that it adapts and kind of changes depending on what you're floating it over, you know, it has its own gestures, which are for the record different than the gestures that you would just do with a single finger when you directly touch the screen. And it at first kind of confused me, but my assumption is that over time, you're just going to learn the gesture for the task that you do, whether you're touching the screen or if you're kind of in word processing mode. But again, it doesn't, it does do things that a desktop does. It doesn't do everything that it does, but it's its own thing. And I think that Apple was maybe trying to sell that idea of like what's a computer instead of say like the iPad is its own thing because more than any other device, it's an it's its own thing. And that's what finally using iOS 13.4 with it it got me really excited because I said, okay, th this is really slick. And I know I'm going to like that magic keyboard even yeah. more now that I've messed with it. And I know people say it's expensive and it is expensive, but it, it's just, it, I, I think some people think that there, it's just a version of the previous keyboard, mm -hmm. but it's a full on magic keyboard. <laughs> it's like right from the MacBook Air. It's got backlight. It's got the scissor switches. Yeah, It's a pro level keyboard in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I I don't you know I I tend to get a lot of excitement. Everyone that has a an iPad that's compatible with it, they're all zoned in on this is uh, the keyboard that I want to get. Now, just some quick things um, because and I got this confirmed by Apple, and it's nice that Apple is talking to me once in a while. But they did yeah. say they did say that. So for people have been asking about the clarification on it charging because they haven't really explained it, but they just put up a graphic. So clearly, the keyboard itself obviously charges now there's a port on the left side of that keyboard that usb-c port on the actual magic keyboard is only used to charge the keyboard so some people said can i connect something to it can i daisy chain a product and charge it yeah. um, from the keyboard you can't it's a one-way directional charge only into the magic keyboard and then the other aspect obviously is it 
uses pass through to charge the iPad when it's clipped in a place through the smart connector, um, which allows the iPad Pro's USB-C port on it to still be available to connect any drives or accessories. So that's the functionality that it has. But what's interesting is that I'm not saying that they're keeping things secret, but everyone's like, where where do I put the pencil? Can I flip it or rotate around? Yeah. We haven't even really seen, they say it has a 130 degree uh, angle. They've never actually showed it, you know, full angle move until they've shown yeah. it being placed and, and pulled off. And I don't know if they're saving one bell or whistle to show us or because it's May, they're kind of building that hype and I think it's working, but we haven't really still seen everything it quote unquote can do. Not that I'm saying it's going to do something mad huge, but we just haven't seen all those aspects of what exactly exactly it is. Yeah. And the interesting thing is every time they have shown it, even in the Craig Federici video that, that they put out, it, everyone is putting it into place and taking it off. They're not Mm -hmm. folding it back. They're not doing anything. They're not carrying it around. They're not doing that really dope move where that girl came to the counter and slapped it. It all fell into place. (laughs) They're like, they are very carefully having it like on a table, putting the iPhone on, taking it off. So there's still so many questions I have. Yeah. Are you excited about it uh, for yourself? Yeah. I, I, so I edit now. If I wasn't doing Final Cut Pro every day, I would mostly be using an iPad. I I use it whenever I travel. I use it at coffee shops, airports. It just, it's so much better, but I don't have Final Cut Pro on an iPad yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm still using a MacBook Pro a lot, but for everything else, I just, I like the way the iPad works and that keyboard will make it work even better for more things. I've even had, you know, I've always wanted to travel with a keyboard for my iPad and I've gotten a bunch of different cases, at least for this um, third gen iPad Pro, and they just didn't cut it for me. And so I just said, forget it. I'm not going to bring it along if I don't really like it. And I would literally bring my MacBook Pro to edit video and then my iPad separate without a keyboard. But now that this keyboard, at least from what I can tell and see, looks like the keyboard that I've always wanted for it. And the fact that it makes it like a mini, I said this on my last podcast, a portable floating iMac. <laughs> yes. It, it it has that look and feel. You know, I'm I'm really excited to use it just from a just from me as a use case and, and how I travel. You know, there will be times now where I'll leave the MacBook Pro and just bring the iPad Pro on its own. So uh I don't want to hype it up more than I already have, but I'm I'm very excited about this product. And May seems like forever. I know it's a first world problem. I know there's a lot of things going on out in the world, but this is this might be the product I'm most excited for this year right now. Yeah, it's it's funny because like you said, it's backwards compatible and you got to assume if there is a tweak with 5G, it'll be forwards compatible. And mm-hmm. when you're charging this many hundreds of dollars for it, I think that's really key as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we talked about the iPad Pro. Kind of any other overall thoughts or things that stick out to you? No, I mean, I, it's exactly what you said it was at the beginning. If, if somebody has an older iPad Pro and they've been waiting for a while, yeah, maybe there'll be new ones in the future, but there'll always be new ones in the future. So if you need something, just get the best thing you can get and then be super happy with it because there'll always be something next. Yeah, a few a few things that we didn't touch upon, um, but I did want to bring up to people because people have been asking me about this. Uh, the iPad Pro, the current generation, so... People are saying, does it do HDR? Does it not? The distinction is that the screen itself, when you're directly looking at content on it, it is not support HDR. It has the color support for the P3 wide color gamut, but the actual brightness doesn't get to the level that is quote unquote officially HDR. But if you have movies you've downloaded on it and you that you've purchased from the iTunes store or the you know the, the movies that you purchase, you can at least toss content 
from the iPad Pro, the file that's on there, if you airplay it to a TV that supports HDR or Dolby Vision, it will display that HDR content. Um, other two things, Wi-Fi 6 is under the hood, but for me, it's not a big game changer because I, I still don't think more many people really have Wi-Fi 6 routers. It's yep. not widespread yet. And then there was the report that there was the U1 chip that Apple hasn't officially revealed, but in code yeah. um, exists inside, but it's pretty much kind of hidden right now that would be for the location, you know, that same U1 chip ultra wideband that we'd expect to see in the rumored AirTags. Um, the last point before we go on as I ramble, um, if you're a designer or a digital artist, you will need to buy the Apple Pencil second generation to use yes. this iPad. So some people are always curious about that. That costs $129. So for the third gen, or sorry, the 2018 iPad Pros and this iPad Pro, if you want to use the pencil, you got to get the second gen Apple Pencil. So I want to get those things out of the way for them. Yeah, no, totally. And if you want to play with the U1 chip for now, you can just do that weird air, that air, weird airdrop thing where you can target people. Has Okay, has airdrop though for you with non-U1 device? I feel like airdrop has gotten a little buggier. It's not as consistent as it used to be for me. I don't know if this just anecdotal but have you experienced that or not so it's still rock solid for me in terms of it shows up it connects i've had this weird thing lately where it takes forever to transfer mm -hmm. the file though mm -hmm. and it's not even big files it's like i'll do one file it'll be instant i'll do three files and it feels like it's a day and a half <laughs> <laughs> oh renee really a day and a half is this where we're at now our first world no our first it's like it's like a, it's it's like a few minutes, but just I'm just used to AirDrop being so so fast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so that so there you go. You know, there's kind of our verdict. Renee and I both are in line with that. Renee, you also got to check out the MacBook Air. I know nothing ground shaking, but to me, the the product that's going to most likely move the needle for them, get the most sales, and arguably might be their best product from a price point stance for everything it does. Just that great consumer Mac, the MacBook Air. What were your thoughts on it? Um, using it because I haven't, but I know you have. Yeah. So my, my biggest thing was just that the MacBook Air that we all know and love is finally fully back. Mm -hmm. And I just mean like the first MacBook Air was like this weird flex about <laughs> thin portable computers, but it, it, I had one, envelope, but right? it wasn't that useful. Like, yeah. like you had to like had the Han Solo Millennium Falcon thing mm -hmm. had to come down for you to use the ports and it's super expensive. I think it was like 1800 bucks yes. back then. But the second one, it was a little bit more expensive. It was like 1200 when it first came out, but it was the wedge-shaped one and it had two USB ports. And that one got down to 999 and that was just it. That was the MacBook for, for like everybody. Mm -hmm. It was light, it was thin, it was easy to take around and it wasn't expensive. And then we got the 12-inch MacBook and that was also cool, but sort of like the original one where a little bit constrained, really expensive, never went down. And then last year, they finally redid the MacBook Air and we got Retina and we got you know two USB-C ports, but the price was high again, and it, it the chips Intel's chips were just like the, it was the the Y variant of of Intel's chips, which are never great for me at least. And, but this year, Intel is finally shipping their tenth generation, which is ten nanometers, uh, the Ice Lake version. It's still core Y, so it's still Y, but it's you know it's it's the Ice Lake version now. But they've they've they fixed the price. You've got the performance, and it's just all those things are together to make this. I think like the first real real air we've had in many many years. Yeah, it, I th I think it's gonna it. I depending on the economy. I mean, if there's any product that's gonna move the most in the Mac line, this has got to this has got to be it. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and it's um, 
the economy is always interesting because one of the one of the discussions is cost over value. And in electronics, you can buy a lot of cheap things that don't last long and end up buying them several times. And that doesn't end up being more expensive or they just annoy you. And the thing about the MacBook Air that's always been great, and I, and I don't know about you, but it's probably the same, is like so many people who have them tell you how long they've been using them. Like mm-hmm. they're still using their 2013 one or their 2012 one. And it's just, it lasts them for like seven, eight years. And over seven, eight years, thousand bucks isn't that expensive. And I think that's always been sort of the value proposition of the air. And I'm hoping that this model makes good on that for the next few years. Yeah, I mean, I literally, that that wedge-shaped MacBook Air that they put in the envelope uh, as as kind of like, it's so thin, it fits in a manila envelope, which is actually an awesome visual <laughs> back in the yeah. day. But that MacBook Air, I handed it down to my nieces, one of them, and they basically used it till it died what only basically last year. So I mean that's a that's a hardy machine to your point of just 999 and it lasts that long. It's a, it's a killer device. Now, you know, we talked about the iPad Pro, we talked about the MacBook Air, but I kind of want to tie these things together because we saw what they're doing with iOS 13.4 and with the Mac Magic Keyboard and the trackpad coming up. Is is iOS 13.4 and the Magic Trackpad a preview of and are they when we talked about the developer version of the iPad for AR, is that their test rabbit for an ARM processor laptop? Yeah, that that I think makes a lot of sense. Like if I had my druthers, like if I got to be in charge, if I was God mode on these things for <laughs> like the week, I would make the iPad basically the MacBook ARM developer unit. Mm-hmm. And I would make whatever next Apple TV that's coming out the desktop version of that so that any developer could get either one of those things, download a special build and get to work optimizing everything for the launch. And I think that's way better than what they did with the Intel transition when they had the, the whole Marklar thing with the, 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 the special developer hardware you had to return later and get an iMac. It would be just such a scene, especially now that there are, back then there weren't that many Apple developers. Now there are so, so many. And with things like Swift UI and Catalyst, there's just so much crossover. That would be, I think, an, if they could come out at WWDC and say, the Mac has been living a triple life. We've had these ARM versions running for 10 years now, and we're ready. We're going to release them over the next year or two. But if you have an iPad Pro or an Apple TV, whatever, you can start developing for them right now. Mm, because they that's the thing, right? With the ARM processor, what, what the Surface Pro X suffer from more than anything else is that some of the high-end apps, they said, okay, this is a tablet that can act as a laptop, but a lot of apps just weren't compatible with the ARM processor. And they 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 need that to be part of the equation as well if they're going to really sell this as, who knows how they'll sell it. Maybe it'll be its own thing, but they've got to get that locked down as well. Yeah, and it's a lot of questions, but I think we're living in such a different time. Like back then, just getting buy-in from Adobe and Microsoft so there would be Adobe, you know, there'd be Photoshop and Illustrator and all those programs. And Microsoft Office on the Intel Macs was table stakes. They just uh-huh. couldn't do it without them. And now it's sort of like, eh, you know, I can go on the web. I've got Google Docs. Uh, you know, there's so many great Affinity yeah, and Affinity. Pixelmator. So many great apps that I think their dependency on any large software houses, it's greatly reduced. It's, and I think with the universal bundles that they're doing now for apps, I, I think this, the way I think the, the way to get developers to cooperate and make really good apps, there won't be as much pressure for emulation or for giant companies anymore. Yeah, that, that's a great point there. So, all right, Rene, Rene, I almost called blurred <laughs> your name together. You know, I really no appreciate your time here. I want to let you go because we've both got 
work to do. But, you know, thanks so much for coming in and, you know, chop and shop with us. And again, if you could just remind people where they can find all your awesome work. Uh, great. Thank you so much. I love being here. You can yeah, find man. me at Renee Ritchie on Twitter or Instagram or YouTube.com slash Renee Ritchie. I'll be there. I'll be there for the next while. <laughs> for the for the next millennium and uh yeah. obviously through wwdc which will be online and that'll yeah. be, that'll be interesting to see as well I, I guess it doesn't change things too much but just the idea that it's all online you know as this world is changed a little bit right now it, it'll be interesting to see it like that yeah absolutely i can't wait to see what all the companies are gonna are be doing really yes. interesting things and hopefully it'll make it better uh when when things get back to normal all right renee well thanks again so much man we'll talk to you soon and uh keep doing and putting out all that great work Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. So there you have it. Renee and I, always a great guest. He has so much information and context from his brain. I just love it. But also, I want to hear what's going on in your brain. I think this is ripe to really find out what do you all think about the iPad Pro and especially the Magic Keyboard. I think it'll be fun to have you guys and gals call in. Remember, all you got to do, record a voice memo, Send it along to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. I will put them in next week's show, and I can't wait to hear what you all have to say. Also, we got to say big thanks to our Patreon supporters at the Platinum Apple level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and a new addition, Eric Cohen. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for those of you who are still supporting at any level, or if you can't, look, there's other ways to contribute patreon.com slash brian tong is one way but also you can give us five star reviews on itunes you can comment it helps bump it up in the algorithm we have over 1000 five star reviews i'm so grateful and i love bringing this to you so i'm going to keep on doing that but tell your friends tell your family tell your nerd geek friends maybe tell someone that's not and they might like just dig it for some reason but that's going to do it for this week everybody again stay safe Stay indoors, shelter at home if you can. Just something to remind you that, yes, I am aware of what's going on outside of these walls, but sometimes it is nice to be able to escape and talk about this crazy stuff, crazy fun stuff that we love called tech. So until then, we'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.